general nerdery. Here come the generals. Ladies and gentlemen. Here come the generals. The moment you've been waiting for. Here come the generals. Ride of all year, Verm. Here come the generals. Generals of nerdery. That last part does not roll with the, like, Washington. I don't Too many syllables. Yeah, but hey, <laughs> that was the most coordinated we've been for one of these intros. In, in, in anything we've ever done, <laughs> that's the most coordinated we've been. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And this is your podcast about liking things. Clearly, we're doing a thing we like this week. Oh, Hamilton. Uh, you know, we here at General Nerdery uh, make an effort to show you things that you might not have heard of before, like all of Marvel Comics or Superman. <laughs> or, you know, the most obscure of things. Let us introduce you this week to Hamilton. Right, so obscure, so <laughs> so obscure. Uh, before we get there, please, what have you been adjusting this week? Uh, you know, yesterday I was going to watch Hamilton for this, like watch it, watch it. I've listened mm -hmm. to it a couple of times, uh, and instead we watched most of the last season of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Good and call. I have I have no regrets. Oh no, you shouldn't. <laughs> um, it's not going to go too much in that, because we're actually covering that next week. Woo! But uh, that was super great. And then I started a podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me. It's by the McElroy Brothers. It's one of the most successful podcasts in the world, so there's a good chance you guys have heard of it. I listened to them through the Adventure Zone and figured, fuck it, I should probably try the podcast that started it all. Mm -hmm. And I got an episode where they interviewed Lin-Manuel Miranda and interrogated him on how he would fight Mario to the death. Interesting. Which was weirdly appropriate for Hamilton, because they were bringing him on because Hamilton comes out next week, blah, right, because right. they're kind of a talk show. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to talk about Hamilton. He's like, I want to talk about literally anything else. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and they've apparently, I, I was talking to Will about this because he's been listening for Years. I mean, the, my brother, my brother, and me is like 10 years old at this point. Right. And he said that Hamilton, not Hamilton, sorry, Lin-Manuel Miranda has been coming on Mimbam since before Hamilton came out. Oh, shit. So, like, these guys are old school. And it does make me laugh that this guy, Lin, is, you know, I watched an interview where he talked about hanging out with the royal family of Britain and going to a Hamilton show there. Okay. Like sitting in the box yeah. with the crown prince while it opened in Britain. And then he also goes on the weird fucking McElroy Brothers podcast. Like, <laughs> what is your life? Let's, I mean, I mean, he's <laughs> going to be coming on our show, right? Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would be a terrible host. I'd be shitting myself going, ee, the whole time. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, hit this. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What have you been... Mine's super simple this week because it's been pretty straightforward. Um, I forgot until last week how soon we were coming up on the new Dresden book coming out, which is tomorrow as of us recording this. Oh, yeah. We really got to get... I got to get a copy of that so we can do an episode. Yeah. I have Dickie. it pre-ordered. Dickie, I, come back. It should be showing up on my doorstep tomorrow, which will be awesome. Uh, but to get ready for that, I have been rereading changes through, well, I mean, it'd be changes, ghost story, and cold days. So I'm and midway through. Oh, and skin game. Yes. Fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, so I'm not as close to being done as I thought I was. <laughs> uh, however, 
whatever. I'm still having fun. I'm, I'm reading, like I said, from Changes Up because Changes changed the game in a big, ba- bad way. Uh, midway through Ghost Story right now. Almost exactly midway through Ghost Story right now. Uh, I thought I was going to be a little bit further along at this point, but I didn't give myself as much time to read this weekend as I thought I would. So You know, I'm still not sure. Like, I know I want to do a Dresden episode. A Dresden Files episode soon, again. But I don't know if I want to do changes or if I want to do the new one. We'll figure it out. Well, and the new one isn't going to be the new one for too long because we'll have another one in September, I think it is. I'm not going to say he owes it to us because artists don't owe us shit, but he owes it it to to us. us. (laughs) Like, it's been what, almost eight years or something? It's been a while, and especially considering the rapid fire pace, the first. 14 of them came out at it was like a book a year a book a year and i get it his life went crazy for a while there Mm -hmm. uh no i'm super excited about that though um it's been a lot of fun getting that much back into that universe again so yeah i might have to i might have to do that fuck i forgot about skin game (laughs) it's kind of important considering it's the most recent one i know i know okay that's fine. That's fine. It's Whatever. Fine. It's fine. It's all fine. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, that's almost like it, though. Like, I've been putting on other shit in the background, and, like, I watched Hamilton. One would hope. We're to, about to discuss it. To, uh... to get ready for this and stuff. <laughs> but um, I'll talk more about that as we talk more about Hamilton itself. So That is sometimes our problem with what have you been ingesting, because I'm like, the thing we're about to talk about. Fucking duh. Well, I also have the double problem of with fried squirms, I'm watching a horror movie uh, two times every week. Yeah. And I I just don't want to always list those either. Yeah. Even though, yeah, I've watched Cigarette Burns twice this week. It's kind of in the same way. Like, what have you been testing? More fucking Frederick the Great's instructions to his generals. Yeah. Again. Again, I guess. (laughs) A little bit more of Freddy the G. It's a really good fucking book. Oh, Freddy the G. <laughs> I think I also have news. That's some good. That That's some good, yes. That's some good. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's a lot of good. I don't think I grabbed too much bad news this Thank time fucking around. fucking Christ. So. Uh, I really liked last week's episode, but it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> uh, bad Batch. Oh, They've I announced, said to you today. That's right. They announced a Clone Wars spinoff uh, for Disney+. Plus. Star Wars The Bad Batch. I haven't gotten far enough in Clone Wars to run into these characters yet. They're only in the most recent season. Right. Uh, And without going into too much detail, the Bad Batch is an elite squad of clone troopers that all have, like, they've been tinkered on. Which is why they're called the Bad Batch. They didn't come out right, but they came out with special abilities. One's, like, insanely strong. Uh... And it sounds like Bad Batch from the, like, paragraph-long descriptor they put out with just the words Bad Batch is this is going to be post-Clone Wars, which makes sense. We just meet them very late in the Clone Mm -hmm. Wars. And it kind of sounds like they're not working for the Empire because they describe doing mercenary jobs or something. Right, that's kind of what I noticed, too. These, you know, crazy fucking clones. And they are a little nutter butter. They're not the most stable, you know, the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Figuring out what the world is post-Clone Wars, like, first days of the Empire, that's kind of interesting. 
Yeah. Um, I like how many of them are there and stuff. When when I hear the Bad Batch, what I immediately think of in my mind because Star Wars just did like a spaghetti western with mm-hmm. the Mandalorian. When I hear Bad Batch, I start thinking uh, like uh, Devil's Brigade, Dirty Dozen. Uh, a little closer to Magnificent Seven. Okay. Uh, I want to say there is five of them, five or six, and then fives joins them. Mm. One of the clones from Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we will get to see more of Rex. Because I love Rex. And we know where he is like 15 years later, but I want to know what happens to him immediately after right. Clone Wars. I also desperately want to know what happened post-Rebels with some of the characters. Like, they left some cliffhangers that I really need some fucking answers to. Um, uh, I need to get caught up on some of that shit. But I've been falling behind. There's too much shit in the world these I days. I am possibly going to finish the final season of Clone Wars tonight. Hmm. Like, we were getting ready to do it, and then we got a guest in town and just weren't watching things we were midway through for the most part. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, to stay with the Disney side of things for right now, uh, we might be getting Jude Law as Captain Hook in Disney's live-action Peter Pan that they're planning, since they're doing everything live-action. I'm trying to imagine that. Peter Pan's one of the ones that doesn't bother me as badly because it it was a live-action or a play for decades before they tackled it. Right, yeah. I, Pan is one of the more natural. As opposed to, like, you know, their version of Aladdin. Yeah, I didn't see it. I haven't yet. I've heard wildly mixed reviews. I don't care too much about the live-action ones. Peter Pan throws me less, that's all. I think I'm I'm down, man. Jude Law. I, I'm trying to imagine it. It would be a different hook. I'm used to a very kooky hook. I mean, I'm I can't imagine that it's ever going to replace Dustin Hoffman in Hook as like that is the Captain Hook as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> I love that Hook is one of like the Captain Hook is one of the major influences for how the world sees pirates. Yeah. Fiction, fictional pirates, very different from real pirates, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. And the two biggest influences on how the public perceives pirates is Treasure Island and Peter Pan. Treasure Island, I probably could have guessed. Peter Pan, I probably wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, I never would have thought about it, but then this book about pirates I have, and I was like, oh, fucking duh. Well, as soon as you say it, it makes sense, too. But it's not something that would immediately have jumped to mind. Right? You're like, oh, right, there are pirates. Oh, duh, pirates are a major part of that story. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's uh, some deeply ingrained racism against Native Americans, but... <laughs> um, you know, I never read this book, and it's one of these ones that's been re-examined a lot more lately, and it hasn't aged the greatest, oh, from no. what I've heard. But we do have a release date to the sequel to Ready Player One, Ready Player Two. I did see something. I've never seen it either. I've heard really mixed reviews of the book. I generally heard the movie was uh, not great. Yeah. Yeah. It was another case because Spielberg did that. Yes. And the basic rule is Spielberg just shouldn't adapt books. I feel like. Yeah. Past Jaws. It's been 
Oh, right, I forgot Jaws was a book originally. But, like, when he's not doing that, he tends to make much better work. Um, also, yeah. he's a little CGI happy these days, but he's Lucas's best friend. That makes sense. Uh, that'll be out November 24th. It was a huge watershed moment for nerds when it first came out. There's still a lot of fans of the property in general, no matter how it's aged in different respects. So I understand why people are excited. I just, I never got into it myself yet, so. Yeah, the biggest thing I heard was it it used some lazy tropes, and it did a whole lot of, like, fan service of, oh, let's reference this thing or this mm -hmm. thing, which I do a podcast about referencing nerdy shit. So clearly that appeals to me, but, like, I do that enough. I don't necessarily need more. Right. Let's go with, uh, we both watched the first trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks. Oh my god, I'm so happy. Uh, I've been waiting for this one. I'm happy too, but that's because I have a different fan connection already. Yeah, because you're a Rick and Morty fan, I was. No, well, you have a different one. I have, I have a, a different, different connection, different yeah. Um, one of the main characters is being voiced by uh, Tawny Newman, who I've now mentioned a few times because I listened to her podcast, Yo's is Racist. Uh, and she was also on Space Force and was pretty fucking great in that. So I'm really excited to see how she does in this. That she, being said, it also looks really funny. Is she the sassy black woman in yes. the trailer? Or Okay. There, there are several characters and I didn't know which one it was. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Star Trek Lower Decks is an animated series coming out from the creator of Rick and Morty, who's a big Star Trek fan. It takes place after Star Trek Nemesis, but before Star Trek Picard. And it is loosely, loosely, loosely based off a pretty popular episode of Next Generation, also called Lower Decks, that followed some of the lower characters, not the, like, senior staff that we were used to seeing in Star Trek on uh, the Enterprise. McMahon um, is a producer on Rick and Morty and a writer, but he's not one of the creators. Oh, okay. My bad. Uh, however, I think he does share creator credit on Solar Opposites, which is with one of the creators of Rick and Morty. Okay. So a person heavily involved with Rick and Morty. Yeah, he's super involved. Is creating this. <laughs> uh, and it, from everything I've heard, he was talking about he wants to do traditional Star Trek episodes, including whatever big mystery they've got going on. And like seeing a bit of the senior staff, the, the captain, the first officer, the security, the whatever. But most of the story is how this is affecting, like, the three or four lowest ranked people on the ship and making a bunch of jokes about that, which is great because I like both of the Star Treks that have come out in the last couple of years, but they're both dark as fuck. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some humor in Star Trek just across the generations, but I've never seen it focused never so heavily like as this. this. Well, and this is what I think we are expecting from the Orville, which was billed as funny Star Trek when it first came out. Which I would say the first half of the first season is, and then it started going a little bit more Doctor Who in my mind. But. Yeah, and I mean, even it still makes jokes, but for the most part, the Orville is playing classic Trek. This is a, like, comedy in the Star Trek universe. And it's canon in the universe, too, so as far as I know. And I will say I am not too worried about it going too slapstick because everyone who I've because I've read multiple interviews about this, everyone doing it sounds like they are really big Star Trek fans. They don't want to do the gag Star Trek. They want to do 
Star Trek, but they mm-hmm. also want it to be funny. And also, CBS is pretty protective of their license right now. Whether people agree or disagree with the choices they're making, they're not just, like, throwing everything against the wall to see what happens. Right. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to watch the trailer again. I know it. I've, I've seen it like five times. I've only watched <laughs> it the once. I have to watch it at least one more time. I'm that guy. Uh, all right. So a lot of DC CW related news. Okay. First, we have a new Batwoman. I saw this. I do not know her. Because she hasn't been in much. Cool. Two television shows, one that went one season, one that went two seasons, uh, some short films. So enough that individual episodes of other TV shows. So enough that we know she has some chops. Right. Um, But not, but still a small name. I like that. I think I'm going to fuck up her name. Probably. uh, Javisha Leslie is her name. Uh, What we hear about her character, Ryan Wilder, is living out of her van with her plant when we first meet her. And... From what we heard before, she's going to be kind of trying to figure out what happened to Kate Kane. Uh, The only weird part, and who knows how much this will be changed or not, because it it falls into some unfortunate tropes, is that apparently this was a blind casting for the most part. Mm -hmm. I think they made sure that uh, all the actresses that they auditioned were queer. And they talked about wanting to do that. Because uh, Leslie, or Javisha, I want to fuck up her first Ms. name. Ms. Leslie? Yeah, Ms. Leslie uh, is bi. I did remember that. Uh, however, otherwise, from what I understand, it was a pretty blind casting. She's got great hair, too. So they cast the black girl as a character who was a former drug runner. Yeah, I thought <laughs> about that. That's really unfortunate. And it sounds like the process didn't intend that. <laughs> One of those, they went, oh, oh, no. So especially with the current climate, we might see a slight change to her backstory before it actually comes around. But that's Maybe not a bad idea. But, but also, that's also what it currently stands as. So Former drug runner becoming a superhero has a lot of potential at the same time. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a hard... It's a hard position to be in, I would imagine. <laughs> I haven't seen the wild racism yet, but I imagine it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not envy her. Like, part of me envies her because she gets to play fucking Batwoman, and that's awesome. But the other part of me does not envy her having to deal with neckbeards. Uh, Agreed. This is either going to save the show or crash it. And I don't mean her. I just mean the entire, like, let's replace Kate Kane. I want it to fucking take off and them have to figure out like, oh, fuck, we need to come up with a different role for her in the comics because we want to use whatever her character's name is. Yeah, I already forgot it. And I, I just closed the screen, unfortunately. Right, it's fine. Because I'm already going on to the other news. Yeah. So Warner Brothers has locked down uh, the things coming out of the 6th and Idaho production studio, which is Matt Reeves. Once again, we've seen the story play out with other directors and their and producers in their production studios. The hip thing right now is for everyone to just completely lock down producers for a set amount of time. To go along with Matt Reeves being locked down, HBO Max is going to be doing a series based around the Gotham City Police Department, which, of course, we've seen before. 
We've well, we've seen that before. Um, it is apparently going to be tied into his Batman, mm-hmm. uh, the Patton Bat, Pattinson Bat, which is unrelated to. And it's being called by everybody in the world Gotham Central right now, even though there's no direct uh, actual connection to the actual Gotham Central series yet. Well, they should call it Gotham Central or GCPD. Like, yeah, there's already a comic that did that. They did a great (laughs) job. They could just adapt that book. I do think like, man, is now the time to launch a cop show spinoff? Yeah, that's... But at the same time, I'm still watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I don't fucking... I think it can be done. Did we ever report on this that Brooklyn Nine-Nine scrapped the four episodes they had ready for the new season and decided, like, as a cast and crew to rework the show? I can't remember if we brought it up or not. I remember reading about it. I, I thought that was, like, we'll see what happens. But that was super cool of them to be like, oh, man, we can't just... We can't do keep doing our cop comedy when everything is going on that's going on in the world right now and pretend Mm -hmm. it's not happening as to the actual thing we're talking about here. Cool. I don't have HBO max and I'm kind of burned out on cop shows, but GCPD was really good. Yeah, dude. If it's, if it's Gotham central, if it's GCPD, if they go through with some of that Greg Rocka shit and Gotham was not what I wanted it to be. I don't think it was necessarily what anyone wanted it I'm to be. I'm not sure it's what Gotham wanted to be. <laughs> no, uh, I would I would argue that it isn't what it wanted to be. I think it became something that was as something it decided it wanted to be in the end, but... It got weird. Uh, uh, I need to get past the growing pain section of that show, because I heard that once it fully embraces its ridiculousness, it becomes a lot better. But. Yeah, the first few episodes are fucking rough. Oh, Greg Rucka released... Anya, who was on last week, recommended something that Greg Rucka wrote for Netflix that's about immortal assassins that I suddenly can't remember the name of, so I shouldn't have brought it up. But uh, Jesus. So to go in more with the WBDC stuff, there are super heavy rumors to the point where I've seen it being reported as fact in some places uh, that JJ is going to bring back the Keanu Constantine. I've heard a ton of rumors about that. I will believe it when I, you know, I'll believe it when Keanu says something. But Keanu right now is super into like, yeah, sure, I'll play my old role again. Right. I, so, I'm a big Hellblazer fan. I'm a big Constantine fan. Really? I didn't know this. This doesn't come up every fucking episode. I really enjoy that movie. I do not think it's a good adaptation of Constantine. Oh, no, that's generally accepted that this was a fun movie and a terrible John Constantine. Uh, that being said, looking back on it, I do understand kind of what they were up against, even trying to adapt some of those stories to begin with. I think they actually, in retrospect, do a better job than they're usually given credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's a way people might be able to have their cake and eat it too, but it would require that movie getting really, really fucking weird. Oh yeah, totally. There is a storyline where you find out that Constantine had a twin that died in the womb and he was like the, the twin was basically supposed to be the chosen one and like 
he was supposed to be the best wizard to ever live. And Mm -hmm. you end up going to like this weird alternate timeline where he lives and Constantine was the one that dies. And by the end of it, it's unclear who's necessarily came back to the real world. Like it's Constantine, but it's unclear if he sucked in his brother's power or how much of it is truly him at all by the end of it and shit. So make Keanu the chosen one. And give us, like, Matt Ryan as, like, our normal shit. I was going to say, I love Keanu, but Matt Ryan just kind of owned that role He's... enough that I'm having trouble seeing other people do it. Dude, Matt Ryan is so fucking good as and Constantine. They put him into the Arrowverse, and they've had him voice act several times now. Give him a big-name movie and just have, like, 16 different versions of Constantine, but have them all played by Matt Ryan. And then I'm one also played way down with that. And then one played by Keanu. One, I'm, I'm there. I'm <laughs> there. 100% there. Um, you said JJ, so JJ Abrams? Right, because JJ's kind of in charge of a lot of the stuff that especially would fall under Justice League Dark since he's going to be doing that. That's adaptation. right, because he signed on with HBO. I mm-hmm. was going to say, he didn't do the original. But no. It, nope, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I. I would like to see more from that character because I thought the movie was great, but it's also not quite Constantine to me. It seems like a weird one to bring in. Yeah. But DC's been super fucking scattered in every level of its existence lately. So who knows? Um, And then I think I only have one other thing. I I, I was actually going to end off with the Warner Brothers stuff and then realized I forgot to bring this up. Uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina will be ending with season four on Netflix. And I might actually finally finished watching it then because they also said that season four is going to involve her fighting the great old ones. And I did not know that that's where the story was going. And so I'm kind of down. Ever since Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or no, Afterlife with Archie Mm -hmm. came out, they've been doing a whole lot of great old ones with uh, Sabrina because I cannot think of his name, but. The, the the guy that's basically running the big weird Archie decisions these days seems to be a Lovecraft fan. Okay. Uh, but he also makes really good stuff, so bring it on. I, I was super excited for the series when it was in development because I was a big fan of the uh, Melissa Joan Hart Sabrina. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of the Melissa Joan Hart Sabrina anyway. <laughs> I'm judging, but I'm trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then like, I knew that Sabrina got darker in the comics in recent years and stuff. And I'm all about that noise too. And especially now that they're doing Lovecraft, I started watching the show. I thought it was really good, but nothing in it was super hooking me. But now knowing where it goes, I'll have an easier time keeping with it. I think. Well, and sometimes knowing it's going to be done makes it easier to jump into something. Cause you're like, all right, I have four seasons. It's not like, all right, I don't know when this is ending or how this is ending um Um, as much as i did like i did enjoy what was going on with the characters and the story and everything in the first season it wasn't so good that that alone could keep me at it but they did do one other thing very excellently that the horror nerd in me super appreciated and there are just hundreds of easter eggs throughout that show from like they have a fucking stained glass ceiling in the Spellman house that is straight from the Dario Argento Suspiria. And I'm like, <gasps> I don't even know what that is. So I know. That's a good and I'm just egg. like, that's, a- that's awesome. <laughs> this is what it's like for me to watch comic book movies. 
<laughs> so it has that going for it. I'm happy. Anyway, it, it's coming to an end. Whatever. I heard they were trying for a fifth season that would have crossed over with Riverdale. That would have been cool. I don't uh, even watch Riverdale. That would have been awesome. Which I keep meaning to try Riverdale because I'm just so fascinated how they turned Archie into the weirdest, darkest adaptation teen drama of all time. Lynchian teen, teen melodrama. Where Riverdale's nicknamed the murder capital of the world. It's Riverdale. Yeah, and... <sighs> it's, it's Pop's Hamburger Shop. I had, like an entire weekend where I went down this really weird rabbit hole of, uh, isn't there like, like there's a Chinese Twitter and there was like a meme that spawned from a scene in Riverdale that had this, just a bunch of these copycat videos. I have no idea. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, it was also like two years ago now, so I can't remember too many specifics of it. But All I know is instead of like, oh, Archie got a bucket stuck on his head and fell down the, like, hill. We have Archie's banging his teacher and a member of a biker gang and is endorsing fascism accidentally. Like, we don't think that last part was intentional, but that's what the episode did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, doesn't sound like that's going to happen. I'm so disappointed. I don't watch either show, but I probably would have watched that. That's all I got for news, though. All right. Let's take a quick break, and then let's uh, dive into the theater. So I say this every time we pick a new genre of liking things that we do, but part of the reason I was excited to do this one is it gave us something different than anything we've ever talked about on the show before. Which means how are we going to talk about it? Yes, <laughs> but also it gives us a new thing of... I don't get to talk about my love of musicals very often. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess I'm kind of interested because I know you, I mean, you're big into music more than I am anyways. And you were also real big into the theater for a while. Right. So what is your, what is your relationship with musicals before we dive into Hamilton? Before we dive into Hamilton? I mean, um, you can use Hamilton in your Right, right. But. Well, um... I never got the chance to be in one like I wanted to be, first off. I don't think I would have been. I did theater as, I'll get to it. I just would have been a coward. Um, no, I, my relationship with musicals pro started when I was younger. Uh, a lot of the, like the Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff. I, for as much as I love music and the theater and the, both those things together, I've never allotted a lot of time, I guess, to explore a lot of that deeper. So a lot of my knowledge is still, it, it's more the like the popular stuff. I don't go super deep on a lot of things. I go deep enough and I, I revisit shit pretty often, but it's still, I don't know, it's still mostly like listening to like Sweeney Todd and, uh, uh, like Phantom and shit like that over and over again, rather than really delving deep into some of the other shit from the theater. Um, yeah, I guess that's my relationship with musicals. You know That and I'm still pissed it never happened. I was kind of conditional, I guess conditionally, I still would have had to eventually done an audition, but I was kind of already cast once as uh, Tevya in... Uh, a production of Fiddler on the Roof that never ended up happening. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Um, do you, I'm assuming you've been to one or two in like, have you been to any live shows? Uh, I've seen Miss Saigon. I've not seen that one. Okay. And I feel like I saw another one too. That's not immediately jumping to mind. Miss Saigon definitely left the bigger impression. Yeah. Maybe I haven't. That for sure though. So it's hard when we live in Montana, there's not a whole lot of musical theater to go check out. No. And the quality is questionable when yeah. that happens. And musicals can go real wrong when they go wrong. Yes. Yes, they can. <laughs> um, oh, man. I'll get to mind. Lin-Manuel had a, a story about the the producers that produced In the Heights, the one he made before Hamilton. Mm-hmm. The musical they produced right before his was High Fidelity the Musical. And they were like, we need to do this one first because it's going to be a big hit, obviously. And then we'll do yours. And High Fidelity lasted eight days because they couldn't play any of the music they were talking about. Right. So it was just the main character, who's kind of an asshole, singing about songs that they can't play. Wow. It sounds it sounds worse than King Kong the Musical. That sounds good. I would totally love to see that. Yeah, I would um, see King Kong the Musical. Let's see, where did my... I mean, obviously, I grew up watching Disney movies, yada, 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 which definitely affected my love of musicals because we used to have listen to the cassettes in the car. Oh, yeah. So I like grew up singing along to stuff. Yeah, I didn't include um, Disney, but no, yes, uh, Disney, but, uh, 100%. Like, I made my father uh, sit in front of Aladdin and uh, transcribe all the lyrics to most of the songs, trying to figure it out just by listening to the VHS over and over again. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Let's see. My sophomore year of high school... I went on a school trip to go see the producers in Spokane. Hmm. And not the original cast, but still. Right. It's fucking great. Uh, and I have had a huge soft spot for the producers ever since. And then later that year, I think, or maybe the next year, Bat Boy the Musical toured through town. Oh, shit. And have you heard of Bat Boy the Musical? Yes. I fucking love the Weekly World News. <laughs> yeah. It is a, it is a musical about the Bat Boy from the Weekly World News. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> and incest and murder and uh, pie baking and all sorts of weird shit. A plague. Did the world's fattest man marry the world's skinniest woman, adopt the world's fattest cat right like two days before the apocalypse was set to begin? No, but I miss the Weekly World News. <laughs> I miss when the fake news was... So clearly not even trying that it was just, like, fun. Right. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite was Hillary in affair with Alien. I thought she was gay, claims shocked president, uh, <laughs> back when Clinton was still in office. And those two things really set off a very deep love of musicals. But again, no, one that I've never dived super into. Mm-hmm. Like, I've watched Moulin Rouge a bunch. I... No, I've seen Les Mis. Never did it. I did a shit ton of drama and choir in high school, so I'm kind of surprised I didn't go further into or ever try to be in one. But it turns out I really hate auditioning. Yeah, I could imagine. I can I can see that. I hate auditioning, too. I do not have the temperament to survive the audition process, which is why I prefer making my own things rather than... Yeah, 100%. 100%. I do, I have, I have a soft 
kind of a, a lightly penciled in bucket list item. Uh-huh. Like it's not it's not a full on in pen chiseled into my fucking bucket list, but I kind of would like to one day like perform in Sweeney Todd on stage. Um, not Sweeney Todd for me. Like I, I would really like to be Sweeney. To, I, I get I it. Want I want to I, be Sweeney. <laughs> uh, I really wanted to do the producers, and it feels weird to say it. I wanted to play the Nazi character. Mm. And producers is weird because. It's a sassy Jewish man making a play, and it uh, that that treats Nazis as a joke. But I guess if anyone gets to treat Nazis as a joke, it's the Jews. Like everyone else, I'm like maybe don't. And then I'm like, all right, you've earned this. I can think of at least one really really good YouTube video for you to to watch. That's all <laughs> about that. I have a similar like confusing thing about I've become a fan of Hogan's Heroes because mm -hmm. his dad watches it all the time. And it's great. And part of me is like, should they be doing this? But also at the same time, three of the actors lived through the concentration camps. Right. So if anyone can. Yeah. The guy who played Clink survived a Nazi prison camp and he was sort of like, nah, I get to do this if I want to. Mm -hmm. That's just, Yeah. Yeah. I'll pass that video along to you. It's a good one. So what's, I know that you have more of a history with Hamilton. Yeah. So beyond just so what's my history with Hamilton? Yeah, what's your history with Hamilton? I'd heard about it. I mean, as I said, I'm not heavily involved in any of this world. Uh, I won't even sing karaoke in front of people. Mm -hmm. I've got friends that try desperately hard. And they listen, at least one of them listens to this podcast. So I'm going to get a message going, God damn it, Thumbly. Um, <laughs> but I had I keep track of it and just, you know, Hamilton was, is iconic it burst out and if you were at all connected to music music you heard of hamilton and so i finally checked it out because i have like my playlist you know rent producers mm -hmm. fucking whatever i'm gonna try not to judge you too hard for rent look i'm not saying rent is good i am <laughs> saying rent is great in a like love letter to the 90s kind of way <laughs> And growing up in the 90s, I kind of fall for the love letter to the 90s sort of way. <laughs> it's in the same way that I sometimes enjoy watching Friends, even though that show is actively bad. Yeah, that shows. <laughs> See, I luckily I never even got into Friends. So anyway. Anyways, Hamilton. <laughs> I just got a copy of the soundtrack when it was taken off. So it would have been, you know, 2016. And listened to it. I got real into it. It was the thing I listened to at work. It was the... I always have music on my phone, but it I only change the albums like once or twice a year. Just anytime I'm listening to music, and this has gotten less since I started doing audiobooks. It was just these were my fallbacks. Yeah. Here's something. Uh, right now it's into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. An amazing soundtrack. It's fucking great. What's up, Danger? <laughs> Danger. And, and Jessica Hernandez and the Deltas, which is real good. And so I just listened to Hamilton again and again and again and again and again and again without even meaning to. And I had a motorcycle at the time. And one thing I learned was one act of Hamilton is about the length of time I can ride on the highway before having to gas up again. Hmm. Because motorcycles have tiny fucking tanks. You have, right. you know, you're getting 30 miles to the gallon, but you only have a couple gallons, five gallons tops yeah. or like 50 miles a gallon, but only three gallons, I think was more accurate to what mm -hmm. I had. It, like it was fucking tiny, but it meant that. When they started to win the Revolutionary War, 
Like, as soon as Hamilton got his command, I started keeping an eye out for when the next gas station was. Where's that bitch at? (laughs) Or in the same way, like, his... There's spoilers here. Whatever. This came Mm -hmm. out in 2016. His son gets... And became one of the biggest fucking things on Earth. Yeah, and also Hamilton died 200 years ago. (laughs) His son died, and I was like, well, I am sad and need to find gas. (laughs) Like, so again, I listened to it a lot, because I was driving a lot at the time. And I just really, I mean, we've talked last week about how I've been trying to find less white male creators and mm-hmm. less white male fiction to follow as much as I still follow a lot of that because I'm a comic book reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hamilton was a good one on it because Lin-Manuel Miranda is just fucking great. And he is not just writing from the white male perspective. Right. And then that led to Moana which led to In the Heights, which I found, which was originally the musical that I was like, this is what we're going to fucking, we'll do cover this episode. But then they put off the movie for a year and then released Hamilton. So I guess we're discussing the other Lin-Manuel Miranda. What about you? Where did you... Uh, So this weekend was the first time I listened to it ever. (laughs) (laughs) My So my relationship with Hamilton goes as this. It became one of the biggest fucking things on earth. I didn't have, okay, if I'm being, there was like, depending on whether we're talking like a month ago or like in 2016, there was between like 15 to 5% of just like wanting to be a little bit contrarian and it blew up too big and fuck this. I don't need to listen to this. No, if I had waited six more months, I think. To listen to it, I would have been in the exact same boat. Like, eh, I still don't like Sweeney Todd that much. Not because it's not good, Mm -hmm. but because Tim Burton was the shit when I was in high school and I got real burned out on all of my friends screaming about Tim Burton. Like, I have things to say about his version. We're going to keep this on Hamilton. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) So if I'm being honest, there was a little bit of that there. The Mm -hmm. bigger, the bigger thing and why it took me so long to get into Hamilton was I wasn't over Book of Mormon yet. See, I have a similar thing of what you were talking about with Hamilton to Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. Partly, I'm not a big South Park fan, so I was already like, eh, these creators. And they made a good one. I've listened to it several times. But it never grabbed me in the same way. For me, it was... I guess the way it goes is like, my love of... Like, my love of Broadway doesn't compete with, like, my love of sci-fi. It just depends on what mood I'm in. Absolutely. However, when I do assign that Broadway time for myself... There's specific ones. The things in there do battle with each other. What am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to Sweeney Todd? Am I going to, you know, go listen to fucking sound of music that you know or whatever? I fucking love sound of music, by the way. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't willing to, as big as it blew up, there was enough people that I trusted that were saying it was amazing that if it was half as good as what they were saying, then I knew that it was going to have to become part of my schedule. And I wasn't willing to give up that time. Yeah, you didn't need a new faction in there. Yeah, from the Book of Mormon. Yet, as early as like a month ago, I was still putting it on and being, hello, my name is Elder Price. I would like to share with you this most amazing book. Oh, God. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Uh, anyway, and because I knew that, like I said, if it was half as good as what people said, it would be, it would be on the playlist 
from here on out, which it now is. I'm glad I finally got to it. I was going to say, how did you like it? I mean, I fucking love it. I immediately te- I I immediately texted back uh, Jesse, who's been on the show, and I'm like, dude, I know I'm like two <laughs> two fucking years more than that, four years four late. Four years this, late, yeah. But holy shit, Hamilton! And I don't. I mean, I know that he's super into musicals and shit too. I don't. I don't know. We haven't. Me and him haven't talked Hamilton yet. I'm super excited to see what what he thinks. But yeah, I fucking love it. I'm. But it took me that time because I have seriously cried really really hard to parts of book of mormon before because i have sat there and meditated on some of what it says super hard and i have a friend that's like man book of mormon's good but i just can't do it because he's ex-mormon mm. and he's like nope it just hits too close <laughs> like that's yeah i guess I, I just wasn't done enough with that yet over the past like year or so as people have even continued to talk about hamilton and then as like it was coming up to where they were going to drop this on disney i Started trying to make sure that I was more okay with letting, letting it in. Let Hamilton into your life. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. It's fucking wonderful. But. So did you listen to the musical before you watched it? Or like, have you listened to just the soundtrack? Because I'm curious. No, so I, I have now this weekend uh, watched it completely once. I have listened to the soundtrack uh, two and a half times. And then I have also watched the first two-thirds the movie again okay uh yeah it was on when i came in that was interesting to me stuff that i stuff that wasn't as good or i didn't know was as cool when i was just listening to it versus what i saw Mm. uh for example hercules mulligan is fucking incredible but if you just listen to the soundtrack you have no idea he's as like funny as he is or eliza who is incredible. You know what? Before I go into that. Well, there's one other th- there's one other question I wanted to ask you to set the groundwork for Hamilton. Okay. And then let's go over the cast because this cast deserves fucking recognition. I agree. Um, so what's your what's your relation to R&B rap and hip hop? Almost non-existent. Okay. I I am told that this taps into a long history of R&B hip hop in ways that I don't Really oh, understand. <laughs> I was that asshole when I was younger that was like, I don't like country or hip hop. Which okay. there's some real classist, racist shit in that that I did not know I was, you know, propagating because I was fucking 10. Mm-hmm. And I am not the biggest fan of either one of those genres still, but like there's really good stuff in there. I'm not that dumb anymore. Okay. Good, I so a, I have a weird relationship with music kind of in general because it's not nearly as important to me as most people I know. And I grew up in a house where my dad does radio. So, I mean, music was everywhere. And for some reason, I just didn't. I latched on to comic books in the way that he latches onto music, except he was a DJ. So he made a living off his and I'm just poor. So usually if it's something like I learned more about rap and hip hop from Hamilton than I think I knew beforehand. Okay. Because that was part of my experience of experiencing Hamilton for the first time this weekend was I had kept hearing like, oh, yeah, it's got like hip hop and rap in it. And when people describe things as having a hip hop or rap influence, even though I knew that like like who was involved in the cast and who was involved in the writing and that it was legit, it's still hard to know exactly how that's going to come across. Especially you... as a musical. Yeah. It's a hip hop musical. And you're like, eh. 
I'm like, okay, we'll we'll see what that actually means. Um, now I'm not the biggest hip hop head, but I'm a bit of a head. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this shit. And when I listened to this, I was like, oh my god, oh they did it. It's got all the hallmarks. It's all there. Like it's watered down. It's got the musical shit there too. Don't get me wrong. And I had a buddy who I got into Hamilton, and. I was like, hey, what's your favorite song in it? Because, you know, that's what you ask if you get someone into mm-hmm. a musical. And he goes, oh, I think King George's song. That's the whitest fucking answer you could have given there. That's the one that I've been <laughs> humming all weekend. It's great. It's I love that It might not one. be my favorite song, but it's the one I'm humming all it weekend. It is the most classic musical song out of this. Um, I do know, mostly from watching a documentary about Hamilton, that, like, Marquis de Lafayette, who's fucking great, is in his early hip hop or in his early raps when you first meet him is mimicking a lot of kind of like eighties hip hop much earlier, especially with his French accent. And then by the time you see him by the end, like the end of the first act, he's just completely changed his style. It's Um, kind of like as Lafayette grew, so did his skills. Lafayette's one of the few that I never try and like sing along to if I'm listening to the soundtrack because I, I can't talk that fast <laughs> i can rap pretty fast i'm i'm gonna get down some of the shit from this musical that's for sure oh some but of it but i can't do that one I, I might be able to get down most of it i can i can do pretty good i like to karaoke a lot of rap anyway <laughs> uh we were going to bring up the cast though right just to make sure that they all get mentioned who we watched uh we did watch the it would i'm when we're talking about watching it, it's the, the, the one Disney that's up Plus. on Disney yeah. Plus. The 2016 recorded at the... One of their last shows they did. Mm-hmm. This My dad went to Hamilton in Chicago and didn't tell me until he got back. And I was like, you, you son of a bitch. Well, and it's funny. This is one of the last shows. Uh, Jonathan Groff, who is King George III, had actually left by this time. And he came back for this performance. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. And okay. the guy that had... Um, replaced him actually stepped down so that they could do the entire cast together for the recording oh that's so good um but we have uh david diggs as marquis de lafayette and thomas jefferson holy shit he's good he's amazing uh i want to talk way more about that later but i want to get through these people first Mm -hmm. because otherwise i will get way sidetracked oh yep i mean we're going to but uh renee elise goldsberry as angelica schuyler i think she was my favorite when i was just listening to it I don't know if that's true still, but that doesn't mean she's any less good. It just means that everyone else got bumped up, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already mentioned Jonathan Groff as King George III. Fucking amazing. Uh, Christopher Jackson as George Washington. Jasmine Cephas Jones as Peggy Schuyler and Maria Reynolds. Who, I kind of think Peggy Schuyler's in this because they needed someone to, like, they needed her for her to have something to do in the first act still. Yeah, um, well, and musically, both of the big productions that she's involved in uh, are very musically close to some Destiny's Child stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it evocates the the trio oh, that makes sense. coming okay. back up. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, is Alexander Hamilton. He also and, wrote it and mm-hmm. he didn't do all the music, but, you know, he did all the lyrics. Yeah, this is kind of his baby. Yeah, this is absolutely his baby. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. is Aaron Burr, sir. I have the honor to be your obedient servant, A. Dutper. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. This is another one of those that we're going to mispronounce. I think I got this one. Uh, oh. Okarete. Nice. Uh, I don't know how. Ona 
Dowan? Uh, Anna Dowan as Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Mm-hmm. Anthony Ramos is John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton. Philippa Sue. Philippa? Philippa? Philippa, I think. Philippa as Eliza Hamilton. Fucking kills it. Uh, Sidney James Harcourt shows up as Philip Schuyler, James Reynolds, and the Doctor, and part of the ensemble. Uh, Sasha Hutchins as Sally Hemings. Thane Jasperson as Samuel Seabury. Uh, John Rua as Charles Lee. And Ephraim Sykes as George Eaker. They're all m- more minor roles compared yeah, to the others. Yeah, they're mostly ensemble that mm-hmm. pop up for the like one-line role mm-hmm. that they need to do. Um, holy shit. Yeah, that fucking cast. I guess before we dive into too much of it, I want to take a moment of just how cool the set was, especially someone who has listened to the soundtrack again and again and was imagining it. And I refused to get a bootleg copy Mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll just get a bootleg because obviously I don't have 2000 bucks and a time machine to go back and, you know, watch it with this original cast. But I knew they had recorded this. So I was waiting for it to come out so I could watch it for real. Because uh, I didn't want to steal from Lynn. Don't care about Disney, but I didn't want to steal from Lynn. Mm-hmm. And I just really loved the whole... The moving floor is so cool. The moving floor too. is fucking dumb. And I liked how they... How simple it was to change costumes around by having everyone wear like the the same basic, like, let's mix dance clothes with, like, petticoats and you know 18th century underwear and then just toss a coat over it and it's fine now uh so people could play so many different roles at once it was just i've never seen anything quite like this agreed god i guess i mean i guess if you don't know hamilton we should say that like it tells most of the life of alexander hamilton which i didn't know much about other than uh, was it a milk commercial back in the 90s? I don't remember. Where it was like two kids in a trivia contest in like elementary school, and it was the Who Shot Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. That's literally most of what I knew. <laughs> I was, it, I had one of those like describe a movie badly. Mm-hmm. And I described it as uh, watch a man destroy himself through his own ego and destroy his family around him while everyone sings a lot. And it's great, and I love Alexander Hamilton. In this, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda makes him a very rounded character. But everything that happens to Hamilton after the age of, like, 15 is Hamilton's own fault. But, yeah. Well, I should... So, (laughs) if we talk about too many details of his story, I will bring up some of the historical inaccuracies I know. I was going to bring that up. This is historical fiction. And... I like it a lot as being used for, like, let's get people interested in history. If you are trying to learn your history from this, it's a starter. The second half in particular takes some real liberties with it. And I was, before I became a college dropout. Yeah. I was at one point, like, a education, a secondary ed history major. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I knew you had did, done some second ed. I, didn't I did know secondary history. ed history, uh, secondary ed music, were what I were mm-hmm. my majors when I was actually in school, and I was not super. Um, I'm not. I, I'm not super knowledgeable about this portion of history. But as someone who was going into education at one point in their life, when I watched this, I was like, "Oh, it's a fucking godsend." Oh yeah. I'm like, this is so good. Like. 
for both of the the types of education I was looking into, I'm like, this is perfect in a history classroom as a starter. You like you said, you don't want to teach actual history based off of this, but who? How else are you going to get somebody interested in fucking Alexander Hamilton? And actually, Ham, uh, not Hamilton. I keep wanting to call him Hamilton because he plays Hamilton in this. Miranda has talked about. No one thought he could do this. They were like, "In the Heights" is really good. Like, don't get me wrong, but Alexander Hamilton? Are you serious? Right. Uh, and at first, the first time anyone heard anything, and I found video of this. It's worth checking out. Was he was invited to a poetry reading at the White House in 2012, back when we still had poetry readings and stuff like that at the White House. And he pops up and he's like, hey, I'm making this musical about Alex. And you can even see like the Obamas and everyone in the being like, really? You're making a history musical about Al or a rap musical about Alexander Hamilton? And he does the the intro. How does a bastard orphan son of a whore and scuss? You see, I do know this pretty good. I just, <laughs> and you can just feel the crowd who has never heard anything like this before. Just, holy shit. And if you can get the U.S. president excited about it, that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, it's maybe the best trip jumping off point I could ever think of for any historical thing. Like, Everything history should have something, a musical like this made about it. Lynn, Lynn, just get going, bud. Uh, um, but it's a jumping off point because of the liberties it takes. I don't necessarily think that, you know, art based on history ne needs to necessarily 100% reflect history. But I do agree with pretty much every criticism of, of this I've ever read. Oh, yeah. And so does Lin-Manuel Miranda for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a huge fanboy of him, so I got to be careful to not just be like, hey, but no, Lin. Uh, I will say Aaron Burr was kind of done dirty in this. Burr was done a little bit dirty, but he's probably done just as dirty in what we do know about him anyway previous to this. So. Burr is super complicated because a lot of the, like, you stand for nothing mm -hmm. was, as far as we can tell, mostly just because Alexander Hamilton kept saying that and people were like, Maybe we don't know what he stands for, even though he was pretty set on his positions. And he might have been torched by Hamilton, and we can get into that. Of It's possible Hamilton set him up mm -hmm. to, to be screwed. Mm -hmm. um, but he did also try and take over the United States through a military coup later on in life. So he yeah. wasn't an angel either. I mean, he's from the generation where taking over the United States to make your own government was literally in vogue. But... <laughs> uh, uh, and just uh, the other, I don't know, the big things if we're, we're on the... Like, Hamilton had a complicated relationship with slavery. Yeah, he was anti-slavery, but he benefited from it and he didn't do anything to really stop it. And he did buy slaves for others at times, including Angelica. I didn't know about Angelica. I knew he did early on in life. And that one I'm a little sympathetic for. He was a kid in the Caribbean, an orphan in the Caribbean. You, Yeah, it's not okay. But also mm -hmm. he took what work he could get so he didn't die. There is a real ethical debate to be had there, but it's a real ethical debate. Later on in life... He made choices that propagated slavery in real significant ways. 
And the other thing they completely flip around in this was he was the anti-immigration one, not Jefferson. Jefferson liked immigrants. Mm. Although people used immigrant against Hamilton oh, a yeah. lot still, too. That's but the thing. Yeah. A lot of the things that they have Jefferson say about Hamilton in this was said about him, but by uh, John Adams, not by Jefferson. Hamilton also, I mean, he really, like, he's a likable asshole in this one. He wasn't that likable in life, from what I can understand. Pretty and charming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say, Angelica, I'm trying to figure out where I want to talk, how I want to go through talking about this musical, because there's so many things. Eliza and Angelica is way more complicated than this is treated as. Uh, and but parts of it were also changed to increase the drama. Yes. Angelica did say in a letter, I'm just saying, if you loved me, you would share him. I don't think that's the exact quote, but like... It's something along those lines. It's basically that sentence that they changed to fit into this musical. Uh, However, she was also already married for three years when they met. I did not know that. They did have a flirty relationship. Whether it was an actual they're-in-love relationship, it's hard to say. Oh, and the, uh, the did you did you mean to put a comma there yeah. was the other way around. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Eliza, I didn't like Eliza that much when I listened, when I just listened to the soundtrack. Okay. Um, I can, I can see that. Although one of, I had two, the two moments that made me cry watching this first time through were both Eliza yes, moments. In person is where we will get to that. But I was going to say, while, while listening to it, I was like, her voice is great. But there's only so much I enjoy the plot line of sweet girl gets fucked over. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. But damn, her, her role is so, it's very understated what she does, but she dominates every scene that she's in. What is that actress's name again? Uh, Philippa Sue. Philippa Sue is so good. Both times when she lets out that really guttural scream that she mm. gives off when her son dies and then when Alexander dies, just broke me both times. I had, so I had two, the only two times I cried during Hamilton uh, were both Elizabeth moments. They mm -hmm. weren't those moments. I had, one of my criticisms of this is that the back half of this play is kind of a mess and you don't actually focus on anything for very long. And so I had no emotional response to Philip dying. I had emotional response to, as I said, her, her, to response. her response, but Philip himself, I'm like, eh, I'm sad for your parents. Um, the first one for me only worked seeing it. When I listened to the soundtrack later, I had no response whatsoever, but it made me just weep uncontrollably when I saw it on stage. And that was her uh, grabbing Hamilton's hand and forgiving him. That is a really strong... I, I have a reaction to that when I listen to it, but not nearly as strong. That is so good, though. As I said, she dominates every scene she's in with doing very little. Um, and then the other moment worked for me outside of just watching it as well. Mm -hmm. Musically, it worked for me as well. And it's um, during the last Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, when she gets to change it with her part, to who lives, who dies, who tells our story. Yeah. And her realization in that moment, especially because at that point, 
the play has truly pivoted to being like, he put a bunch of this in like in works and that's what we've been watching all this play. But starting about eight songs ago, she started getting just super fucked over and she's been an angel through this entire fucking thing and then continues this very hard work. And here's a chance to actually make sure that her name is said too. Eliza is part of this really incredible set of women throughout history that tend to get fucked by their husband or lover or whatever, and not in the fun way, but like screwed over, who are just incredible. And it traces back to like Cleopatra. Frederick the Great's wife, who I'm forgetting, also comes into this quality of like, they had, they were married or attached to really powerful men and they got really screwed over because of it, but they were just absolutely dynamite women. Mm -hmm. Dynamite people in world that we kind of, we know who Eliza Hamilton is because she was Hamilton's wife. And Eliza, Eliza, Elizabeth Schuyler Hamilton absolutely deserves credit in her own right as a really incredible woman of history, making that orphanage, surviving everything that went down. I mean, they don't mention this part. She lost her house after Hamilton died mm -hmm. with her like six kids shortly after her oldest died. And one of the kids had a mental breakdown and never fully recovered. And like they got the house back. But there was a brief moment where she was homeless after this because of the choices Hamilton made. And I think her father bailed her out or something mm. like that. But, you know, she's such an incredible woman because we don't know. Han uh, Miranda admits this. There's a lot of guessing about what her reaction was to the Reynolds pamphlet. When they say she's taking herself out of the narrative, she did. She saved so many papers of Hamilton's and her own but nothing from that era. So she might have actually burned these papers and stuff like they did, which I did not expect her to actually burn on stage. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I, I enjoyed that. And then she dived back in and it seems like she either legitimately loved Hamilton or she recorded history to make it look like she did. And I don't know which one of those is true because she very carefully curated Hamilton's image after his life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff she said seems like it was true, but still, like, she was very, I will protect my husband's name. And I don't know how much of that is protecting her own name and her family name and her kids' names. But reportedly, some of her last words was, I miss Alexander. And that's 50 years later. That's amazing. So <laughs> um, I, I was like, God, I want us to have that connection. But also, honey, I promise to be a better husband than Alexander <laughs> Hamilton was. And she just laughed and was like, well, luckily you set the bar real goddamn low there, Zach. Like, <laughs> uh, so, like I said, one of the things that really blew me away was that this is truly hip hop musical theater. Yeah. One of the turning a cabinet battle into a rap battle is just incredible. I'm sorry. I... Well, one of the things that it amazes me that the the Venn diagram of like nerds and like big rap and hip hop fans isn't a little bit more overlapped. Mm -hmm. It's overlapped. I know you're out there, but the number of hip hop variants Marvel has done for covers. But uh, that and the fact that most rappers are huge giant fucking nerds. Oh, they're huge. But rap is the perfect one of the more perfect genres for nerds. Because nerds love Easter eggs, and rap is the most self-referential genre that's out there. Oh, yeah. You don't 
have true like cred unless you can work in some of these reference direct references to other songs. I can't think of any other genre where like you stop for like us, you know, a line and completely just do somebody else's song for a line, mm. but it's expected in hip hop or even just remix someone else's song. So which threw me for a while. Cause I was like, no, don't fuck with Nina Simone like that. So I almost fell out of my fucking chair and I have to ask you like, cause you don't, you don't have the same, you don't have, yeah, you may not have got it. Like, did you know what the 10 crack commandments are? No, I didn't know the 10 crack commandments was a thing. That, yeah, the, the 10 dual commandments, commandments is that entire song is an homage to a notorious B.I.G. song, the 10 crack commandments. Huh? So I thought, do do you happen to remember what the Ten Dual Commandments are? With how much you've listened to the soundtrack, because well, we can, I would like to compare them side by side if we can, and they're going to be wildly different. Oh yeah, but. of course. <laughs> uh, number one, they challenge, demand satisfaction. If they apologize, no need for further action. Rule numero uno: Never let no one know how much dough you hold, because you know that cheddar breed jealousy, especially if that man fucked up, got your ass stuck up. <laughs> Number two, if they don't, grab a friend, that's your second, your lieutenant, when there's reckoning to be reckoned. Number two, never let them know your next move. Don't you know bad boys move in silence with violence? Take it from your highness. <laughs> Way too late for this. Number three, have your seconds, meet face to face, negotiate a peace, or negotiate a time and place. This is commonplace, especially between recruits. Most disputes die and no one shoots. Number three. Never trust nobody. Your moms will set that ass up, properly gassed up, hooded and masked up, shit for that fast buck. Should be laying in the bushes to light that ass up. <laughs> Number four, if they don't reach a piece, that's all right. Time to get some pistols and a doctor on site. You pay him in advance, you treat him with civility, you have him turn around so he can have deniability. Number four, I know you heard this before, never get high on your own supply. Five, Duel before the sun is in the sky. Pick a place to die where it's high and dry. Number five, never sell no crack where you rest at. Don't care if they want an ounce, tell them bounce. <laughs> number six, leave a note for your next of kin. Tell them where you've been. Pray that hell or heaven lets you in. Number six, that goddamn credit, dead it. Think a crackhead paying you back, shit, forget it. Seven, confess your sins. Ready for the moment of adrenaline when you finally face your opponent. Seven, this rule is so underrated, keep your family and business completely separated. Number eight, last chance to negotiate. Send in your seconds to see if they can set the record straight. Number eight, never keep no weight on you. Them cats that squeeze your guns can hold jumps too. Number nine, look them in the eye, aim no higher. Summon all the courage you require, then count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten paces, fire! Number nine should have been number one to me. If you ain't getting bagged, stay the fuck from police. Yeah, and then there's no actual number ten because they fire, right? So number ten, ten strong world called consignment. Strictly for the live men, not for the freshmen. If you ain't got the clientele, say hell no because they're going to want their money, rain, sleet, hail, snow. Edited out a couple other things, but... Because <laughs> it's a biggie, but... Yeah, there's probably some things that neither you nor I get to say in there. Um, uh... Yeah, so the fact that they 
like I didn't know that there was a song in there that was Ten Crack Commandments. The Ten Dual Commandments. And that was already after like some of the songs are some of the songs in the music are almost blatantly uh, referencing like Lose Yourself. Fuck the I'm only 19, but my mind is older is uh, from Shook Ones Part 2, which is legendary in hip hop. Fucking Shook Ones is amazing. God, what was it? Uh, what's the name of this? Even on the more basic concept, I feel like Hamilton's obsession with death and like thinking mm. about his own death seems like a major theme in a lot of hip hop that I've listened to. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Helpless is pretty much a Ja Rule Ashanti piece. Like, there's a bunch of Beyonce in there, too, but, like, Lin, the way he, at the very end of that, even sort of growls down into his shit is just definitely referencing Ja Rule. As long as I'm alive, I swear you'll never feel. God, there was a lot. There's a lot of Biggie stuff, because the... A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R. We are meant to be a colony that runs in circles. N-O-T-O-R-I-O. U.S. You just lay down slow from going back to Cali. <laughs> Is, was Notorious B.I.G. West Coast or East Coast? East remember. Coast. He was New York. So it all makes, makes sense. Makes sense because I was going to say Hamilton. Not Hamilton. I keep doing that. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. His first musical, In the Heights is about a suburb, not a suburb, it's about a, a neighborhood in New York. Mm -hmm. New York seems extremely deeply tied to who Lynn is. Also early on, the, hey ladies, that's Beastie Boys sampled from Curtis Blow. Yeah. Um, you got references to like Summer in the City, all sorts of, fuck, I blew me fucking away. Blew me away. <laughs> And I couldn't help thinking, and I didn't know exactly what your your background with was with singing and stuff, but I was trying to, like, if I was, what what role would you want to oh, be? Oh, I was going to ask you this. Perfect. I'm so glad this came up. What role would you want to be in this? And what role do you think more realistically that, like, you could actually do? I think I would really love to play Aaron Burr. Okay. Like, I, I would love to do Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, but it's not as much. And I'd really rather play Marquis than... Uh, Jefferson. Mm. But again, I don't think I could do that role. Aaron Burr is asking a little much of me, but it would be fun. He's such a wildly conflicting character across this that I think it'd be a really interesting role to play. Uh, Washington, I think, is one of the more realistic ones. I his voice Ooh, is a I little, could see you as Washington. His voice is a little deeper. He's a little more in my range. I'd be like, Super weird redneck missing my front tooth, Washington, because I am. But, um... Oh, I could see you doing a really good Washington. Let me tell you what I wish I'd known. This is a really bad example. <laughs> um, yeah, because I started thinking about that hard, because I was like, oh, this is incredible. Oh, I yeah. Love to, I would love no, to do this. If you like musicals, you definitely have who you would like to play. So my favorite voice part in the whole musical... I wouldn't want to do myself, and I don't think I could pull off, is Angelica's part. I sing along with her a lot. I think she, out of all the vocal parts, she has the most fun, the most range of, of the little bit that she does. This is why, as I said, when I was listening to it, I was like, why does anyone give a shit about Eliza when Angelica's right there? And I get it seeing them live. But damn, Angelica is still so good. Her part's so so interesting, so great, so 
so many pieces where you can both show off in in a number of different technical skills. Um, it'd be really tempting to try being Hamilton. Oh, everyone kind of wants... I would love to play Hamilton. Do not get me wrong. Especially because... I have opinions on uh, voice casting for Broadway parts. Mm-hmm. And... I think the only reason Lin-Manuel does such an amazing job in this is because it's his baby. But if he was somebody coming off the street to audition for this, I don't think I would ever personally cast him as Hamilton. I don't think his voice timbre matches what the character is supposed to do and how it's supposed to interact with the other characters in the show. And he pulls it off because it's his. And I don't have enough knowledge about music. I, I know I like Hamilton's voice. I know I like mm-hmm. Manuel Miranda's voice. Uh, even if you ever find it, I don't know if you like Moana at all, but he oh, adapts yeah, I, too. Yeah. Uh, on one of the albums, uh, one of the soundtracks, they have him singing some of the songs he wrote for that because mm-hmm. he wrote all mm-hmm. of that. And I'm like, well, this isn't, you know, The Rock owns it in here. But Lin-Manuel still does a pretty good job. Singing, yeah. you're welcome. I think, I but think also he has it's an, his baby again. I think he has an amazing voice. I just don't think it actually fits the Hamilton okay, part. I'll give you that. Um, um we could, <laughs> I have, I don't know enough to argue you yeah. here anyway, so I don't know why I'm trying. And I actually <laughs> think that my natural voice range would fit well into that part, but it's just not a part that interests me as much as some of the others. Mm-hmm. David Diggs's performance alone makes me want to say Marquis de Lafayette. Thomas Jefferson, mm. but Lafayette's part is interesting. Jefferson's part's kind of boring, other than the it must be nice, which I think is one of the more complicated numbers in the entire... It must be nice is a complicated one. The fun part of playing Jefferson is just playing the like straight-up asshole, the bit when in, in you're never going to be president now, and he's got like arms up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the physical part of Jefferson looks way more fun than the musical part of Jefferson. 100%. That, so that being said, I think the part I would most want to do is King George III. King George is one of the few I think I could actually pull off. Oh, man. The, the fact- one that I think I could most actually do, mm-hmm. and that, like, if we were going to do a performance of it here in town that I would go audition for, would be... Whitest version of Hamilton yeah. of all time. Hercules Mulligan, James Madison. Uh, Hercules... Hercules Mulligan with Marquis de Lafayette and then James Madison with Jefferson. Those two actors, their chemistry together is out of this world. So amazing. <laughs> and like, I, I knew Hercules Mulligan's existed. I knew Madison existed. I didn't even realize they were the same person when I was listening to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. They were there. They sang. They were fine. I knew they had good voices. But watching just Mulligan's entire bravado in the first one and then Madison made me laugh harder than most things did when they have the can we get back to politics and he goes yes and he's like clearly been crying I just fucking lost it Uh, and I didn't hear that when I listened to the soundtrack and I don't know if he just did a calmer yes in that version or Mm -hmm. without seeing it if I didn't catch it or what but so good they're so good I think I could do King James uh, this guy the spittle that comes out of his mouth. I will say, this is a decent segue into this. King James is interesting. George. King George, thank you. Um, King George is interesting because one, a lot of the stuff he says 
is way too relatable in 2020. The I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love was really funny in 2016 and is just unnerving Mm -hmm. now. Uh, And it does kind of Hamilton is really interesting. Just the musicals in general. Um, in 2016, I wasn't a rabid. Pa- I've never been a rabid patriot, mm-hmm. but I am a. I do even today consider myself a patriot in a you have to critique the things you love sort of way. But it was a lot more comfortable to look at these characters in 2016 than this very patriotic thing watching it in 2020. Just because the entire state of the world is different. You know, watching a musical where the Founding Fathers are reinterpreted as by POC. Mostly just POC. There, there weren't any indigenous characters that I know of in this. Is very different when there's a black president versus when there's protests against police brutality and a plague and everything else that's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there are no slaves that get a voice in this is much more noticeable now than when I first started listening to it. It's, it's harder to ignore. Well, the, the big one that feels like it should have been included is Cato, Hercules Mulligan slave who famously helped him spy. I did not know about that. Jesus. I know so little about Hercules Mulligan. Also, Cato as the sidekick. Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible and great. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, let's roll. And Miranda, again, was like, that's a very valid criticism. And have you, I'm assuming you have never listened to the Hamilton mixtape. I have listened to, so that was actually my my unintentional introduction to Hamilton, I mm-hmm. guess. I, I didn't cover this earlier. I had heard a couple things sampled from Hamilton because uh, I got turned on to Snow the Product when watching Dear White People. And Snow the Product uh, is featured on The Immigrants We Get the Job Done. That is the best one of that entire mixtape. I am not nearly as fond of the Hamilton mixtape. Again, I am not a huge hip hop fan, so a lot of it I just don't have the connection to. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell it's well done, but it's not scratching the itch in the same way Hamilton itself is. Immigrants, we get the job done, is just fucking incredible in and out of Hamilton. Yeah, um, so Snow the Product's the chick on the track. Okay. Oh yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. And in the Hamilton mixtape, if you listen to it, they have Lin Manuel performs a song that would have been a third rap battle that didn't make it in there because he couldn't figure out a way in his own words, it made Hamilton too unlikable mm. to manage because it's debating. Apparently there was a real debate about where America is going to be on slavery. And Thomas Jefferson was arguing for it. And Hamilton was arguing against it because they had promised some anti-slave thing during the war. And then they just didn't fucking deliver on it. Right. And it painted both Washington and Hamilton in too negative a light. And part of it was basically like it was implied that even if they didn't know necessarily about the affair, that someone knew too much about Hamilton's secrets. And they're like, do you really want to call Jefferson out on his? Cause I think it mentioned Sally Hemings. Mm-hmm. 
And Hamilton's like, nope, I really don't want to because I don't want mine to come out. <laughs> that's another one. I used to really like Thomas Jefferson, and in these days, I just can't. Jefferson's interesting. Well, because he fucking... The fathering kids on the slaves thing is shitty. He raped them. Let's he not, raped them. Let's not mince words there. Right. He raped his slaves. Also, based on everything we know about him now... His portrayal in this is probably exact opposite of how he would have actually acted, as it's pretty commonly agreed that he was probably on the autism spectrum. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, and then also just his response. The Native American people got really screwed over mm-hmm. by Jefferson. Um, I actually took a creative writing class in college, and there was an old native man that was in the class with me and we did a short stories and his was about going back in time and suffocating Jefferson in his crib. And like 20 year old me was aghast. And now I'm like, yeah, okay, but I get where you were coming from. It is a very disturbing story. And not even just Hamilton. I mean, David Diggs says, oh, I got that name. Yeah. Says, uh, it, it's really weird playing, Jefferson, because on some levels he did these really amazing things, and on others, he sucks. Yeah. Exact quote from Diggs there. Well, and that's the fact that these guys, pretty much everybody that shows up in this play on some level, also really sucked. Yeah. Uh, Some more because of the time period than not, but in some level, all of them were problematic, is why... Uh, historians, uh, especially ones teaching about this time period, have been trying to move away from uh, narratives that talk about just one great man, mm-hmm. which is basically what this is. And that's, I think, in general, that's awesome. I don't necessarily think you always have to hold art to that standard. I read a thing that was talking about Hamilton and about the inaccuracies and the imperfections of, you know, we really could have used not just actors of color portraying these roles, which kind of affects it, but like the actual voices of color from yes. that time period. But then the thing was like, that critique is very real. But at the same time, why do we hold black art up to such a degree of expected perfection that we wouldn't necessarily have been talking about in a different light? If someone had just made a musical about these characters in a traditionally like super white musical it probably would have come up it wouldn't have gotten slammed as hard for it probably maybe it's just because we're so used to Mm -hmm. glorifying these complicated fucking people who sucked but we're also amazing and i guess with hamilton and that critique in particular the way i think about it is i guess it's just kind of the arithmetic of like I do agree with we need to move away from the one great man narrative, especially in history settings. Mm -hmm. But in an art setting, you can twist it a little bit. And we have already gotten one great man stories from all of the other founding fathers involved in this. And so if every other founding father story gets told. Yeah. And so getting to finally hear this and having a jumping off point to even know who some of these people are is also very beneficial. Which is like what I went back to earlier is like the person who at one time in me was studying to be an educator is like, oh, my God, this is the best springboard you could have ever built. me. Oh, yeah. And they did a lot of work of like bringing kids in to watch the musical itself or uh, a lot of teachers were playing the soundtrack to get people thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I would have dug it when I was in school. 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'd take it now, but I would have loved that springboard. And I think both things, I guess the point I'm getting at is both things need to happen because if you're just preventing this, like presenting the straight historical facts, like we have dictionaries and shit, people aren't reading those. It's boring. Yeah. Uh, Miranda talks about part of the reason why the room where it happened was written the way it was, is it turns out arguing over who takes national debt is a super boring basis of a song. But if you base it around someone who's not in that room making the calls, but who wants to be that power player, that has some emotional weight to it. So, I don't know. I guess I'm just saying I see both sides. Yes, it is imperfect. There's a time and place for each argument, I think, is the biggest thing. And it is they're Im- both valid. It is imperfect, but it does a lot of good, and it's very well made, and I don't need it to be perfect because I'm not going into it as a proper history lesson. Also, as a fan of history, my completely unqualified opinion, I agree that we need to kind of move away from the great man theory, but the, I think the answer, because it's the great man theory and it's the trends of forces theory. Like, this shit would have happened no matter who. Versus like this person made the choice. And I think the answer is somewhere in between the two. Mm -hmm. The world was set up for an Alexander the Great, but that doesn't make Alexander the Great or Genghis Khan or Washington or Hamilton or Gandhi any less impressive. The world may have set up for them to do it, but this particular person is still incredible in the way that they did it or at least became the spearhead for the movement. Whatever right. movement is we're talking about. Cause here, yeah, because once again, ro- rolling a background, like Alexander Hamilton was shitty in some respects, but his story also should have never happened with his beginnings. Yeah, he's incredible, but he also sucked. Yeah. I do love that the reason he was sent to New York in college was he wrote those things that were like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. He's going to do such good for the island. We'll send him to college. And then when he comes back, <laughs> he'll be amazing for us. And he just never came back. He was just like, well, that was fun. Peace, suckers. <laughs> oh, God. One of the bits that gets me in both versions is when he's talking about his mother has died and he's sick in his dead mother's arms. Oh, right. And I couldn't seem to die, like straight up wanted to and had to survive that. That breaks me anytime I think about just what that life would have been. I think I would be dead or would have been dead if I had been a homeless kid on the streets. I could not have done what Alexander Hamilton did. Mm-hmm. And I'm great, but I'm not that impressive. <laughs> like, Yeah. Fuck. And I just wouldn't want to deal with a lot of problems from that time period to begin with. So, <laughs> Oh, man. Alex, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda did a full-length episode of Drunk History covering Hamilton. And it's so good. Oh, that's amazing. And both Hamilton and Burr are played by women in it. And I don't know why, but that's just really funny to me. <laughs> like, it's, uh, Burr is played by, I think, I don't remember if it was Hamilton or Burr, is played by, uh, one of the women from Parks and Rec, the, the super weird intern girl. Oh, shit. No, really? Yeah. Aubrey Plaza? Aubrey, that's it. Aubrey Plaza is in that drunk history. And Aubrey Plaza is great anywhere, but she's amazing in drunk history. Oh, fuck. I'm going to take a look at that one. I sort of fell off the drunk history train and I don't know why. But I don't watch it regularly, but it'll pop up on YouTube being like, do you want to watch this? Like, yes, I do. <laughs> no, that's actually I do. You Wait are correct, go. sir. <laughs> All right. So you met you. You brought it up before. Everyone has their favorite song. What's yours? I'm trying to figure out mine right now. 
What I've learned is if someone is being a piece of shit in one of these songs, it tends to be the ones that I like best. Okay. The final battle of Act 1 is just really good. It's probably the most exciting song. But the songs that I get really into, The Room Where It Happens is catchy as shit. Uh, Eye of the Hurricane. I had had a, I had heard a lot of people bring up The Room Where It Happens. It's. I thought it was fine. It didn't hit me as hard as it seems like it hit a lot of other people. It's not my favorite, but it's the one I want to like move to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eye of the Hurricane is very strong. Wait for it is way better than it has any right to be. Wait for it is really good, and it gives Burr a lot of depth. And that might be what it is. I really enjoy because it'd be so easy to write Burr off as this like. Burr gets done dirty except for Wait For It, which helps to frame his whole character. And and I was like, damn, Burr, like, I'm, I'm with Hamilton. Take a stance, even if he... Hamilton, take less stances. Put some of those stances back. That's too many stances. But Burr backs nothing. And by the time he suddenly does, it becomes really craven. Mm-hmm. But that, where you see... It's the only time you see the pressures that Burr is under, and a lot of them are self-imposed pressures... But you see Hamilton wreck his own life. Here's where you see Burr wreck his own life. But in a really, I don't know, it's just fascinating. And it's just such a wide range of musical requirement that that actor has to give out that he's just great at. Wait For It is the song that really proves that I could not play Aaron Burr. (laughs) Wait For It. Yeah. What about you? This is hard. Yeah. This is really hard. Yeah. I'm looking at all the songs right now in front of me. I think there's a few that I like really for different reasons. Like I think Farmer Refuted has some of the best lyricism in the entire play. When Lin-Manuel is going off what Seabury's saying (laughs) and just twisting up the words and shit. But my dog speaks more eloquently. Yeah. So fucking good. Strangely, the main's just the same. Maybe... Like, I super fucking dig Guns and Ships and Yorktown. Those are really good. I mean, we fucking stole from that for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I overall just really prefer the first half in general. The first... I think it's where they meld the hip hop the best. The second half, other than the cabinet battles, is a lot more rooted in traditional musicals. Uh, musicals. The first half is stronger. The first half is an easier story to adapt. And when I was just listening to the music, I cared way more about the first half. I wouldn't always listen to the second half. The Obviously, second half both is, of the big emotional gut punches are in the second yes. half. The second half is way stronger when you see it in person. Again, because of some of the more subtle acting bits that you don't hear, you see. But again, it, it's so much easier with the first one because it's... Orphan kid wants to make good, makes good in the war, finds love. Like, that is... Musical is built for that kind of story. Let's watch Hamilton fucking, like, storm through life like a bull in a china shop that's obsessed with protecting his legacy is a much harder story to tell because it's not a beginning, middle, end in the same way. Right, yeah. But I also really, like... I still had a lot of fun with it. But yeah, the first hack... The first hacked. The first act is significantly stronger. Yeah, and I just... I don't think I could choose any of the songs from the second half as my favorite, is, I guess, the point I was eventually trying to get to, but... Not that they're not strong, I just... It didn't 
none of it hit as much other than like i said it's super powerful for eliza to switch it to who lives who dies who tells our story mm-hmm. well and even the weaker sillier songs in the first act are a lot of fun you know i may not live to see our glory mm-hmm. these four drunk buddies being jackasses <laughs> together is a really good way of like it, it's a fun song it's one i'm more likely to sing with someone than i am like literally anything else mm-hmm. also just the first intro song deserves real credit as like holy shit this song is good and it establishes some of the awesome wordplay right out of the gate because this is the it's not repeated so i don't know if this was necessarily on purpose but bastard orphan son of a, a whore, whore and a scotsman B-O-S-S. This boss. Okay. That's the only time that's done because later on... He, they drop the Scotsman most the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. That's amazing and I didn't recognize that. I did hear that the way they say every name is basically the same every time and how it goes into the song. Alexander Hamilton. Like, even if yeah. it's different people singing it, <clears throat> they do it in the same beats for the song to kind of give it the continuity. And, the yeah, Lisa. almost... And there's a couple, not just names, but almost any time the, um, the chorus says New York, it's reminiscent of the Empire State of Mind style from Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that part, but I, I, I'm just going to nod and agree with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much any time they actually say, like the chorus says New York, it's it harkens back to that a little bit and they work it in. Um, there's just, there's brilliant use of... Uh, character motifs and late motifs and mm-hmm. arc words and being able to turn them back around and the the like i hope you're satisfied God, i hope you're satisfied oh man so the way that changes though from in the beginning to later on when angelica throws it back in his she's face she's so fucking mean in it and it's so mm. cc was laughing she's like Angelica has been flirting with you at this point for 15 years. You finally have an affair and it's with some fucking other person. No wonder she's pissed at you. Not just like. Um, and what's the, what's the line? The, 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 are we lucky? Aren't we lucky to be uh, living in this time? Look around, look around how lucky we are to, to be, be alive, alive right now. That changes meaning like five times through the play. Yeah. I'm super sad afterwards. Yeah. The final one, just like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Although a slight bit of hope the very final time they use it. Yes. Oh, just because of, uh, God, I hope you're satisfied. The final angry one. Mm-hmm. I love, and I never would have known this cause you can't hear his voice in it. That in the middle of like everyone, you're never going to be president now. King George just like bursts out there and is having the time of his life being like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't have to fuck with this guy anymore. King George is so much more fun live. Cause in the first one you see him, like I, I'd seen pictures of him and I knew that he stood very stiff and sounded super crazy. But again, some of the subtlety of his acting of you see him get a little more broken every time you see him and the like, see, he feels way more sassy in the like, good luck. I wanted a little bit more closure with King George the third. I kind of wish they would have found some way to even give him like half of a verse later on. Cause he pops up in a major way, basically three times. Mm-hmm. The and then he does his dance party. The second time with his verse and the way it leads off, like it's a good ending for him mm-hmm. and for his, 
role in the play. And the third time it comes up isn't out of place. Like, it's still really fun and within his character, but then you don't get any resolution to that, which probably makes sense from a historical perspective. I was going to say, he was... I think they just wanted to use that actor again, and, mm-hmm. like, it was a good pause beat change it point of a different way of looking at it. Uh, but it made me want... After bringing him back in, after what I felt was a good send-off, I was like, okay, so can you still give me a send-off, or am I just left with the one that already happened? Well, and the thing is, from a historical perspective, there for the people in America, there wasn't a like send-off point for King George. He just right. kind of is written out of the story at that point, if we use the story analogy. The only way to get any real satisfaction with his story is if you look at it from a British or a French perspective, because from a British or a French perspective... The entire Revolutionary War is a proxy war. Mm-hmm. It's one of like 15 proxy wars that these two nations have. They had one in the colonies 15, 20 years before George Washington fought it. The French Indian right. Wars, we call them today, um, which I'm sure there's a more PC name for that now, but uh, I don't know what it is. We like to look at the Revolutionary Wars like, look at this amazing thing we did. And then the French helped at the end. And really, it was the French being like, this would be such a good way to fuck with Britain right now. <laughs> and it worked for the French because we were a huge source of income mm-hmm. for Britain. But it was way less, you know, we defeated them as the French gave us money, which let us like made it too expensive for Britain to finish the fight, which they mention in the end of the, uh, they say the price of my war is not a price that you're willing to pay. Yeah. Which I liked that they took the moment. I mean, that's why we won the Revolutionary War. It ended because they decided it wasn't worth it. Right. We've thrown too much at this. Like, fuck, this is expensive. We're not getting that much out of it. The Revolutionary War is not nearly as big as we think it is. Only like 5,000 Americans died in it. That's a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the knockdown drag out that you normally associate with Yeah, you look at, like, the Civil War or World War II or the pandemic we're having right now. Right. It's pales in comparison. Yeah, it's nothing. Yet so many interesting stories from it. There were Roman battles, because apparently I just know world or history of war now, thanks to fucking Art of War (laughs) Gaming, which you should listen to on the Earworm Network, where more Romans died in a single battle... And then Rome rallied and finished the war. Then we like 10 times more than we lost in this entire, entire war. Mm-hmm. It's so small scale at this point in military history. It's fascinating. This is a weird episode of general nerdry guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, we got to unleash our history nerd a little bit. Oh, with I this love too. I... I feel like there's still so much I want to say about it, but nothing's actually coming into words. It's all still just the feeling of having been introduced to it this week. Yeah, I'm all hyped up from the adrenaline of it. And that's one of the things I like about musicals is a good one can really get you like it it gets you wanting to be moving. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. And I'm I have a feeling all I'm really going to be listening to this week is its soundtrack over and over and over. Uh, Well, I will give you something to go with it. Also, I will tell you right now, if you go on Pandora and set up a Hamilton station or just Lin-Manuel Miranda station, do mm-hmm. that instead because you get a little more variety. It's tight. Okay. It is a banging station because you get a bunch of hip hop and you get a bunch of musicals. Oh, and it I can see that. works pretty well. Nice. Nice. And some Disney songs because he did Moana because they're like three Lin-Manuel Miranda things they have are in the Heights, Hamilton, Moana. Yes. <laughs> it's oh, so good. I know the other thing. The 
the only other thing that I wanted to bring up that this makes me wish for that I feel like, I mean, I know we'll never get, but it's a story. I don't necessarily, I want the, like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead version of Washington from Hamilton. I don't necessarily need Hamilton remade about Washington. I just wish I had all of the parts where he's off You want to see what stage. Washington's up to? I want to see what Washington's yeah. up to. And him, ha like, his character is so, it's this weird little figurehead in the middle of the play. Mm -hmm. And he's always just so stoic and, like, in Never going to be president now. There's amazing one Amazing presence and... There's one bit where he walks up. He doesn't even sing in that song. He just, like, walks up and glares at Hamilton of, like, you fucking dumbass, and then walks off. Yeah. Like, never knew that was in there. The actor who plays him is in a show called Bull now, that played Washington. And I really... The concept of Bull, it's like a courtroom show, basically. Okay. Like, a slick, quick moving courtroom show with a guy that was on NCIS for, like, 15 years. Mm. It didn't grab me super hard, even though I liked Dinozo on NCIS. But him being on there makes me way more tempted to, like, watch that show just because I really like him on this. Yeah. Um, I just, I wanted to see this Washington grapple with, like, uh, getting Eliza's letter. Ooh, that would have been great. I didn't, I was thinking about, like, you know, let's see some of the battles or stuff, but... Yeah, Eliza's letter and Washington's response to it would have been really... And it him having to weigh, like, this dude's my right-hand man, and, like, shit's kind of bad for us, but I respect the guy enough to be like, I kind of want to keep him alive, because now he's got a kid on the way. From a historical's perspective, this is a little less certain, because they definitely clashed harder than they were presented as clashing. Right, which is why I don't want the historical version made into this. You want I this want version. I want this version. And it did seem like Washington was a little bit his mentor. I mean, he was he was Washington's right-hand man for a while there. Mm -hmm. But also, Hamilton was an unlikable asshole. So, uh, yeah. it was a little less smooth than yeah. it's portrayed here. <laughs> also, you have to remember, Hamilton's like 17 right. in the first act. 20 at the oldest. Yeah, he's a young man in it. So there is a whole lot of, uh, you know, like, kids sit the fuck down. Right. Like, like fucking young man braggadocio coming up and uh -huh. Washington being like, yo, I already lived through the French-Indian Wars. We don't call them that anymore. Sorry. Shut <laughs> up, kid. Actually, they might be, as far as I know. Um, apparently, the Martha Washington did not name a feral tomcat after him. Right. Even though they pop and go, that's true. The idea of the tomcat being like a, a term for horn dog didn't pop up for another like fifty years or so right. after the Revolutionary War. So fun with still history. Funny still funny though, yeah. and that moment's amazing. So yeah, it's so it's so funny. The the very small moments. <clears throat> again, very. I can't stop talking about the physical because I've been listening to this for years, and then watched it once last week, and it was oh my god, I have so many thoughts that I didn't have before. I did love the couple very, there's a couple very little like meta references within the, mm -hmm. um, what he says. There's the, is it during the, the farmer refuted where he's don't, don't modulate the, don't modulate the key and then not debate with me. Yeah. Which I should when you modulate the key this? in a Broadway song is when people are ha having an <laughs> argument. 
<laughs> Why should a tiny island across the sea uh, dictate the price of tea? And just him throwing in that little bit, though, just the self-referential, I'm like... Hey, I I I really want Lin-Manuel Miranda to make another musical. And I get why he doesn't seem to want to after Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, he's doing a hundred fucking things. How do you follow that up? He said he's like, I know it's going to be on my headstone. It's going to be Hamilton, which sorry, buddy. Like, that's amazing and great and awesome. But at the same time, like, that's got to be self-defeating, but self-amazing at the same time. I think it all depends on. On what attitude you approach it with, like He's supp- I think, Cler- like I think Kevin Smith embraces the fact that he knows Clerks is going to be on his headstone. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, he's supposed to be helping make a Name of the Wind Patrick Rothfuss Kingkiller trilogy mm-hmm. show, which is about a bard. So that's great. I would love that. Uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember. Cece and I came up with who we want to see Lin Manuel Miranda play in a thing, and of course I can't think of it now. More things, L- many many things I would love to see him play. I don't know what I would want to see him do. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but not off the top of my head does anything necessarily immediately jump to mind. Uh, and then, you know, on top of all the other stuff, he's a member of... He's one of the people that helps picks who wins Tony's now. Like, he is... Oh, cool. I didn't know he was still heavily involved in theater. He's just from different angles. Right, now. right. And I'm not... I feel like someday he's going to come back to making a musical, but I understand that he's in no fucking rush after... Two back-to-back musicals that did real well, even though In the Heights didn't reach a tenth of the popularity of Hamilton. Still really popular, though. Like Yeah, and it's going to take a jump after next year when it comes out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else I could say about Hamilton. It's all I got. It's not all I got, but it's <clears throat> all I got until after we're done recording. I go, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, without going into every song and being like, did you catch this reference? Did, I did. you catch this I reference? I guarantee you Did you, you catch did this not. reference? <laughs> and some of those, like, I, I know I missed references in there, too, because I'm a bit of a head. I ain't that big of a head, so. Any more recommendations for this week? That's what we have, recommendations. You know, my recommendations, I, I tried to avoid on another episode giving homework, and this isn't necessarily homework, but it is going to fit in a little bit to what we're doing <laughs> next week rather than what we did this week. Okay. Uh, my recommendation is, oh, shit, I think I'm going to fuck up the year, but 1976's Drunken Master starring Jackie Chan. One of the earlier kung fu flicks is one of the ones that really helped popularize uh, adding comedy into the genre, which is something that uh, especially a lot of the old older kung fu is kind of known for having the the humorous twinge to it uh, up through modern day. I mean, everything that references old kung fu is a little corny and a little funny at times. You also get to see super ridiculously jacked, like young jackie chan when he has like an eight pack and could just like crush you with his mind and yeah he goes and learns uh drunken style from beggar sue so high uh played by simon wen uh who was the father of the director wen wo ping who went on to be one of Hollywood's biggest fight choreographers later on in his life, uh, being the fight choreographer for things such as The Matrix and Hero. So Nice. I, I knew I heard some of those names because of that. And it's incredible. Ping, I think. It's um, so great. So <laughs> I, I watched it as a kid, and I didn't like it much, but I also I had seen like Shanghai Noon. 
At that so point, did you watch sorry, Drunken wait. Master or did you watch Legend of Drunken Master? I don't even remember. Because Legend of Drunken Master is the sequel that was made about 24, 25 years later. It was released in the United States in 1994. I think it was actually made in like 1990. Mm-hmm. I'm going old school, the 70s. Is Jackie Chan in that one? Yeah. Both of them? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, I would love to watch it again today with a better understanding of, I mean, as I said, I was like mm-hmm. 10, I'd watch Shanghai Noon and liked it. So we rented another Jackie Chan movie and it was kind of a weird one. Was uh, there a fight where he was dodging spears I under a train? I don't even remember. <laughs> this is 20 years ago, buddy. <laughs> um, I barely remember shit that happened yesterday. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I would recommend also Legend of Drunken Master. That one's also great. But it might be a weird one if you hadn't seen the first one. No, no. I mean, you don't really need to know the first one to get into the second one. It's just that I would recommend the first one over the second one in general. We'll have to do a Kung Fu movie day someday, episode someday, pick something. Maybe Ip Man. It's one of the few I've seen. Uh, Ip Man's fun. Let's see. For my recommendation... I'm going to go real lazy. I'm going to recommend In the Heights by Lin-Manuel Miranda (laughs) because it's so good. And if you've listened to Hamilton, you will enjoy. It's a little, I like it a little better. I think I like the story a little better. It is a little more traditionally musical. It's one he made first. It still uses a lot of rap hip hop stuff to it, but uh, people sing a bit more. It is about a weekend in a poor neighborhood in New York that is primarily people from the Dominican Republic and Puerto Ricans mm-hmm. and just that entire kind of subculture of, uh, I want to say that's Northern New York city, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know enough about the geography of New but York. I, they mention I, it in there, which is why I feel like I should know it. And then I am not going to give homework, but I am going to kind of give homework as well. Uh, next week, me and Tyler and my buddy Grizz will be on board and we're going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. And we decided on a list of five episodes to kind of use as like a, a coverage of the show. And so I figured I would list off those five episodes in case anyone wants to list it. And then I will not get involved in you giving all our plugs because I have given up that game. <laughs> uh, we will be covering the first episode, The Boy and the Iceberg, I think. And it's a two-parter, but we'll watch the whole thing. We will be covering, skipping to the second season to watch the Secret Tunnel episode, because I love the Secret Tunnel episode. We will watch the first episode with Toph and her wrestling career. We will go forward to the cave dancing party in the third season, and then the sword training episode also in the third season. Because we thought that, uh, I I talked to my buddy Grizz for this one, because you didn't really care what episodes we covered. No, not really. And he had just watched it and was watching through, and we just picked ones that we thought really covered the series pretty well, like the feeling and the goals of the series pretty mm-hmm. well. But that's next week. In order to listen to us next week, <clears throat> next week, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. That would be super awesome if you could also rate and review however you're listening to us right now. That'd be even more super awesome because the world is ran on algorithms and it helps increase our visibility and you know, this is a podcast. This is all online shit. Y'all get it. Uh, <laughs> We've said it like 30 times. 
times now. In order to listen to our entire back catalog, please go over to our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, you can check out everything we've done. You can hit us up through the website or by emailing us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. And while you're there, click the links up at the top. We are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on the network. Me getting stoned and talking about horror movies over on Fried Squirm. Zach? Me and my buddy Malark talking about war and war gaming and war treatises and war in general over at The Art of Wargaming. Uh, hitting up that website, earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M, will be the easiest way to keep up on everything happening across the network as we roll out more shows, hopefully later. God damn you, COVID. <laughs> if we say that every episode. Oh, you can also search for General Nerdery across all the social medias. We'll be what pops up. There's we're a trying one in to ten help. chance we've updated in the last month. We're trying to use it more. I swear. I swear. I still always feel like I want to like surprise people with this shit, and it doesn't need to be a surprise. No. I just I really have to get over that feeling, and we'll be using it more. Well, especially because we put it in the name of the episode what we're covering. They're not jumping in, being like. What will it be? And then finding out when I'm badly rapping an intro. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's in the fucking title. And for some reason, I still feel like it's supposed to be a surprise for some reason. So We're getting there. I think uh, it's because I'm so surprised by other podcasts that I listen to. Like, I don't always pay attention to what they're going to do next. Yeah. Because not all of them say what they're doing next. Also, if you have <laughs> suggestions of stuff that you would like to see on our social media, please feel free to let us know. Uh, I do all sorts of nerd shit, so I am sure that I can find things to do. I am just not 100% sure what we should be doing. If you have thoughts on that or literally anything else about us, not any, that that's a too broad a brush to paint. But if you have thoughts about the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Agreed. <laughs> I think that hit it all. That, that, that basically covered it up. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Dismissed. Sweet.